Broadcasting live to the world now. It's Sheila Zelensky. Sheila Zielinski Show, the only show to give you the truth behind the headlines, prophecy, and the deeper things of God. Now, here is your host, end-time watchwoman, Sheila Zielinski. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Sheila Zielinski Show for this April 13th, 2016 edition Thank you all so much for tuning in from across the globe today. I broadcast Monday to Friday, that's weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, right here at WeekendVigilante.com. And if you have not signed up for the podcast, do so by going to the Listen tab on WeekendVigilante.com, as well as do not forget to download the new app, the Weekend Vigilante app. Just go to your app store type in Weekend Vigilante. It is for smart devices. It is customized for you, the listener. And let me tell you, we're adding some neat features on there. And I'll stack it against any app. We're working out a few little kinks because we've heard from you. Thank you so much for your feedback on the app. And we want to get it right for you, the listener, because that's important to me. For the new listeners, if you have not got your hands on my book, Green Gospel, the New World Religion subtitle, do get it by going to greengospel.ca. It is the most timely book. Dr. Timothy Ball, the renowned climatologist, did say this about the book. Sheila Zelensky's book, Green Gospel, effectively demolishes what you think you know. And there is quite a lot of reviews on Amazon. So again, you can get all the information, including how to order the book at greengospel.ca. And I was recently on Skywatch TV with Tom Horn. They've got a fantastic bundle on too. If you go to skywatchtv.com, you can get that book at a great deal right now. So any way you get it, do get it. And it's an affordable book. So make sure you do get a copy for your friends, neighbors, loved ones, and especially your pastor. It is such a timely book considering what the United Nations is doing under Agenda 2030. And as well, they want to prosecute climate deniers like Sheila Zelinsky. That's right, Loretta Lynch mob, as I call her, wants to prosecute climate deniers. Hey, I don't deny the climate changes. In fact, we used to call it weather. I don't believe in anthropogenic global warming, which is a fancy term for man is causing it. So there you have it. Pick up Green Gospel. Very timely. It is so important because... Christians are at war, and they don't even know it. My guest today, I am very honored to have him on. I've wanted to have him on the program for a while. It is Brian Thiessen. He is a BC-based researcher, activist, and my kind of guy going up against the smart grid. He devotes his time to helping the public understand the ills of smart meters, the smart grid, and the overarching issues that you're not going to hear on the 6 o'clock news. He joins me today to break down the latest development with smart meters. I'm going to tell you, you can ask yourself this question, folks. Is your smart meter a ticking time bomb? We're going to find out. It is my pleasure to welcome to the program 
Mr. Brian Thiessen. Brian, welcome to the program. It is a pleasure to have you on. Thank you, and I am also honored to be on your show. Well, where I want to start here, Brian, is there's so many different issues with these smart meters. One doesn't even know where to start on it because, again, there's so many angles to this from poor wiring, the creation of these things is causing fires, you have adverse health effects, the big brother, the data mining, and we're going to get into all that. But where I want to start is walk us through some of the health effects of these things, because there's a lot of adverse health effects from these, aren't there? Yeah, there is. There's two key components to that, which would be the electromagnetic field potentials that they can generate due to the switch mode power supply. And that basically means that um, that meter really doesn't need a lot of power to operate. So a lot of power is coming into the house, but it only needs a little bit. So it kind of just takes a little piece of that and, and gets it into the meter so that thing can function. It can send its signals, it can track the data, and can do all the things that it does. When it does that, it's almost no different than something like an, uh, an alarm clock where um, it will actually generate quite a large field in trying to perform that function. My main concern with that mostly is a lot of people, like let's say in apartment complexes and whatnot, can have 5, 10, 15, 20, who knows, 100 of these things in a bank and right. literally just right on the other side of where they sleep. The other side of that equation is also the radio frequencies, so the microwave pulsed emissions that come out of those meters. Generally speaking, the utilities will tell us, you know, oh, it's only maybe about a minute a day or something like that. Well, the reality with that is those pulses are actually measured in about fractions of seconds or microseconds. So to add up to a minute, we have actually had utilities admitting that these things can pulse up to 190,000 times a day, which is a, is a very large number. And part of the reason why they sort of play with that is they'll sort of segment it out of between meter-to-meter communication or meter-back-to-the-utility communication. And so these pulses are happening all day, every day. And also keep in mind the infrastructure required for these devices are also pulsing all day, every day. So that'll be your collector hubs, your mass on the towers, anything that's uh, transmitting, sending back and forth any type of data. So... Isolated on its own, maybe not the worst thing ever, you know, obviously not good, but when we start compounding all the radio frequency and EMFs that we're experiencing in our lives, it gets to be a part of an issue where we're all of a sudden overloaded. I know that uh, I just went back to Kamloops, BC the other day. I hadn't been there for quite a while to do a presentation. I noticed four or five more towers that weren't even there literally seven or eight months ago. And all of this stuff is part of this whole data gathering complex, if you will. And it's required that if this stuff isn't sent over wires, in order for the signal to get from point A to point B, well, it requires a microwave radio frequency pulse. Now, we're always told that these are, of course, safe. And part of the reason why they do that is they actually just increase the level of safety. So let's say we'll pick a number, uh, 1,000 is a very high number when in reality the safe level might be 5 or 10. So if they increase that level up to 1,000, they'll just say, well, if it doesn't hit that number, then everything's safe. And theoretically, you could just do that forever. You could just go next week, pass a law, say it's 2,000, and everything under there is safe. So that's part of the big issue uh, with that. There's there's both the, the field side and the radio frequency side. There's a bit of a difference there. Right. Yeah, that's good. Because, of course, we know these smart meters, they employ this switching mode power supply that generates 
really high levels of electromagnetic frequency. And when you think about our nerve impulses, our body's electromagnetic energy field, the chemical processes in our nerve cells, our brains, our nervous system, the whole human electrical system, this stuff is wreaking havoc on that. And that's frightening, isn't it? Indeed, because think about it this way. If you had uh, 60 hertz going into your computer or any of your appliances and someone said, you know what, why don't you just do 65 and just do this continuously or 69 or 43 or something like that? Well, you say you're not compatible. The device is not compatible with that. So, no, that makes no sense. Well, you and I sitting here talking right now, our bodies are going to be operating roughly, let's say, 8 to, to 20 hertz. So with something like, let's say, a cell phone, you put that thing up to your head, uh, that you can be getting, uh, or a cordless phone, anywhere from 938 million hertz spikes to up to 6 billion hertz spikes. So that's basically vibrations per second. So you can measure your body that way, and when that stuff is, is penetrating into your head or your brain or into your pituitary gland or causing disruptions in your melatonin and serotonin and that stuff, that changes you. The reason why they say that it's okay is because they'll basically say that well, if a kilogram of tissue put inside a mannequin, which is basically filled with a soapy, soapy liquid, if that doesn't heat up one degree, well, then everything's safe. So that's not really how it works. The other aspect is that this stuff is coming into the wiring now as well. And there's all kinds of problems. I, I talk to people daily who do a lot of work from, you know, anywhere from government agencies all the way to just uh, testing residential households. And the stuff that they're picking up that's coming onto wiring, which, you know, never really used to be there, or at least not to the level that they're seeing now, is just off the charts. High frequency distortions, harmonic issues, all kinds of things. And as we add more and more of this stuff, it's kind of like a boiling frog situation where all this stuff keeps coming and coming and coming. And we may not notice it, per se, uh, from a person-to-person -person level until it kind of gets to a point. And then the other thing is, is that we don't really see this stuff. So we don't think about it. We may think if we're having some sort of effect that, uh, you know, it's just stress from work or some other issue or, or, or a diet, which are all components, of course, to health. But changing the, the vibration of every cell and all the electricity in your body is a big issue. Yes, a huge issue. But there's so many other issues, too. And the remote disconnect is a frightening issue. I want you to touch on that as well as some of the other issues. It's just funny when we talk about this stuff because there's just really so many and really the end part of it is, which we'll probably touch on later, is all the money. I, I kind of want to touch on that a bit where people are saying, well, how could all this stuff happen? It's really money and, and I know we can talk about that. But the, uh, the issue with the remote disconnect, they are literally, they want to have, and in a high majority of these smart meters, they want to have the capacity to cut your power inside the meter itself which is a big deal. So let's say you didn't pay your power bill and you owed them some money. What they'll try and do is say, you know what, we don't want to send out a guy in a truck. That's going to cost money. It's going to cost fuel and everything else. So we'll just send a signal from our relay station into that meter and we'll disconnect the power. Now, it's pretty much impossible to do that. Just think about yourself where you actually have to go to your computer or your stove or whatever you're trying to disconnect and actually unplug the power there or hit the off button. Well, the way they actually do that is they generate a separation inside the meter and that basically can cause an arc when you have appliances running or some, some draw inside your house. Now, when you cause arcing, you basically cause fires. 
Uh, that's pretty much it. These are the laws of electricity, and these are the laws of electricity that are being violated continuously in, in multiple ways with the meter for that money. And, and that issue is a primary concern because a lot of utilities have been self-admitting as well as in the court documents uh, that you talked about and that are in my video. Uh, they were saying that was a huge concern with the remote disconnect, uh, the, the issue with uh, meters with remote disconnect being around propane tanks, propane lines coming into a house. Uh, that type of thing. So that's a fire hazard on its own in, in itself. That one single issue is a huge problem, let alone all the other ones that are an issue with the meter. The thinner blades, which were admitted in uh, again in the court documents, where the arcing can, of course, occur there, where the example I'll use, and, and I try to make this so it's understandable to, to the general person. You don't have to be an electrician or anything. Well, think about if you, if you bought a brand new appliance, before you plugged it in for the first time, I said to you, you know what, I want to shave a little bit of the metal off the, your plug there and, and, and do some work on that. Is that okay? Well, no, of course it's not. That's a bad idea. Because when you do that, instead of the circuit continuing, when the metal on metal is, is touching each other, when you have that separation, well, the circuit of the electricity trying to get from point A to point B will jump over, and that creates an arc. Anytime you have arcing, keep in mind you're thinking about very high heat, up to and the potential to cause fires. So we have this festering probably for a lot of people in the backs of their meters uh, for a multitude of reasons. It could be those thinner blades. It could be the installers rushing around to do installations and damaging the bases, and that creates that separation, which we've seen many times. Of course, all this stuff gets blamed on the homeowner who's you know, never allowed to touch their base. But we have all these issues compounding uh, with the potential to cause arcing or actually causing arcing, and this is what's leading to fires. Yeah, well, the fires, that's a really good example of one of the huge problems. And of course, we know that Sask Power, they had a $500 million recall. They had to swap out over 100,000 meters. You have census meters all over Ontario. The Electrical Safety Authority there ordered them to remove all of those meters, over 6,000. And some reports are saying as high as 15,000 meters across Ontario are having issues. You have these issues in Illinois, California, Texas, Virginia. We've got such a plethora of wiring issues, high voltage surges, fires. Fires are a huge issue. So give the listeners more of an overview of what is causing these fires. You know, it's it's tough to, I guess, impose something on each situation. If it's a fire, just like if they're gonna, the fire department's going to go to a house, and they're going to do an investigation and it's not exactly the same thing each time. Truly, I believe it's just a compounding of all these types of issues. We have the, the potentials for corrosion uh, at the bases from exposure to higher electromagnetic fields and radio frequency. BC Hydro has admitted that this can be an issue now that uh, actually in Kamloops, where you're at, they've gone around and starting to replace some of the metal poles there because the advanced corrosion that can happen due to those fields. Now, I brought this up before in some of my older videos and I kind of let it sit aside. And then here we have Hydro admitting that very same thing. There's U.S. Air Force studies uh, from, I believe it was Akron, where they were showing this. That's also an issue. So you have this corrosion. And again, that prevents the circuit from operating the way it needs to be. So that can uh, cause issues as far as arcing is concerned. The, the surge issue is another one. There can be surges that are just so powerful that they would just literally damage everything. And there's not much you can do to, you know, perhaps control, you know, thinking about a lightning bolt or, or something of that nature. But what they basically did on the older style meters, they had something that was called a surge arrestor. 
And the job of that surge arrestor was to take any type of higher voltage, quote unquote, surges uh, to ground. Now those are gone, there's no ground, and basically the surge, if it comes into your house, is going to look to, to go into your house, uh, and that can be through your washing machine, your, your freezer, whatever it might be, which can explain a lot of damage that's been happening to appliances. Uh, my general belief is when you take things like the remote disconnect, the thinner blades, the removal of the surge arresters, the potential for the lithium-ion batteries, the potential to cause advanced corrosion at the, at the meter base through electromagnetic fields, the bad installations, the improperly made meters that are made of plastic instead of you know metal and glass as they used to be, so they have a lower melting or flash point. I mean, you're literally talking now once you start getting into this. It's not an issue. It's, it's really about seven or eight issues. And any one of them or any combination thereof could be responsible at any time. Uh, I, I guess if I was going to maybe pick one, I would think that probably the bad installations uh, might be the most catastrophic problem. And part of the reason for that is the, the utilities and their infinite search for return on investment. And of course, we could just maybe call it greed. Uh, normally, you'd have an electrician operating on, on these bases and walking to the home and saying, I'm going to be here at 11 and can you, you know, make sure all your power is off. Well, they're really looking for this data and they want access to this data as fast as they can because this data is so extremely valuable. As most of your listeners will know, big data is really where this world is going, knowing everyone about everything at all times. and Or even if it's not about spying, it's about selling. doesn't matter. They're, they're doing it. So basically what they were doing is saying, you know what, uh, we want a contract here. It's, let's say, $100 million. And in that contract, we've budgeted $50 million uh, for electricians to go around doing this at about... $90 an hour and it's going to take you know 5,000 hours, whatever it might be. Well, what they'll basically do is they'll just hire guys off the street and they'll say to them, you know what, if you could put in 20 meters today instead of 15, this is how much you're going to get paid. So an example I might use is, look, if, uh, if I'm at the car repair shop and my boss says to me, we need you to do 20 sets of brakes instead of 15 sets or 10 sets of brakes today. The inevitability is it's going to get sloppier and sloppier and sloppier in order to just get the job done, so to speak. And then all of a sudden you can have uh, these issues, so damaged bases or not really expecting the base properly and still installing a meter on top of this already pre-damaged base. Because it can be, in, in some cases, that the, the base is, is not quite working correctly or should have been replaced. But what happens most often is they will do an installation on these bases and then say, oh, it was a faulty base. And then we always ask ourselves, okay, well, if the base was faulty, why did you install the meter on there? So nothing seems to make sense. And the whole point of this is, as we know, is possession could be about nine-tenths of the law. So they're the ones that, you know, they claim they own the meter, which means they own the data that comes out of the meter and so on and so on. So if it's the meter that's at fault or the utility or the installer or anything in between, then they're the one that's liable. And this is what these companies always try to avoid. Deny, 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 and shift blame and, and default everything onto the homeowner. And I think this is the biggest overall cause is, is really that, that we see in, in society is this overarching greed for, for money that I like to say that we're just collateral damage. And so long as there's not too many fires to override the amount of value of the data they're going to collect, they just, they just go on with it. Yes, well, they go on with it because we're talking about a $15 trillion data mining operation, yet you have all these court documents spelling out these problems. Well, I'll take Pennsylvania where you have 
hundreds of thousands of these meters. They have over voltage issues, story after story, with this plethora of problems. And yet, as you said, they just go on with it regardless of all these issues. It's the cumulative effects of all this that's the huge issue, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's it's money. You know, when you talk about data, again, everything is data. Um, and, you know, I don't even know if most people even inside that industry sort of, except for maybe, you know, the select few at the top who always seem to pull the strings, really know where this is all going. I, I don't even think even utilities know how to process all this data and all this. They just know there's some value somewhere uh, down the line if they can know. Uh, what you're doing, where you're going, uh, what you've turned off and turned on. And, you know, again, there'll, there'll be the people out there saying, oh, conspiracy this or that. The fact is it's happening. You know, your belief system is is almost irrelevant. It, it's going on. There's value there. The utilities themselves say, the regulatory commission, uh, you know, it's on my video anyway, he says basically he's one of the top guys at the regulatory boards for utilities is that the data is going to be worth more than the commodity consumed. Now, keep in mind, we're talking about hundreds of billions, if not trillions of, of dollars a year industry. So just that data, picturing the value of that data, if we're talking about hundreds of billions of trillions of dollars, you know, a few potential out-of-court settlements or whatnot for some fires, I mean, that that's just being dwarfed by the value of that data. So it's, uh, you know, push comes to shove, well, they're going to side with where the money is, right? So that internet of things, that big data industry, they're looking around, and this is from Cisco, they say about 19 trillion a year by 2030, and a company called Accenture, which is huge, and right. I, I, yeah. I guess most of you know who they are, they say about 14 trillion. So anywhere in that range, I mean, we're talking about a value that's far beyond, you know, I guess the lives and homes of of your average uh, Canadian or American or global citizen. Right. Well, these court documents have come out on record saying, yeah, they've acknowledged these problems, but hey, we're going to use these regardless of how many fires. They've actually said that. That part is frightening alone, isn't it? Yeah, well, there, there's issues with that. Um, you know, let's say I'm a company and and uh, whether I investigated this in new or didn't investigate it and just took the, the meter maker's word for it and said, yeah, data and all these things are going to be great. Some of these guys um, have spent billions of dollars when you talk about the meters, the infrastructure, the data centers, the cybersecurity, the relay systems. I mean, it, it does really go beyond these meters. So now I'm, if I'm a publicly owned utility or you know I have private shares out there on the market and I have to turn around to my investors and say, you know what, we kind of screwed up. Uh, all that data that we, you know, we forecasted to be generating, let's say, uh, on one utilities basis for $20 billion a year, we can't get that anymore. And now we actually have to spend $10 billion taking out the old meters, buying the new ones, and now we've basically admitted these things are junk. And so all those things that everyone was saying is right, uh, now we're exposing ourselves to liability concerns. We're talking about a lot of money here, and then all of a sudden the, you know, the share market or the bond market says, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, what happened here? We thought, you know, you were forecasted at $20 billion a year for this and so on and so on. Now we have an issue. And now we also have the problem where we have these companies that are selling these meters. And then all these people that are processing the data and storing the data and the data centers and so on and so on. So it's really huge money. And it's it's something that I just believe and a lot of people out there are starting to understand is they really can't admit they've done something wrong or this is going to harm people because this monetary stream that they're counting on is, is so massive that if they, you know, let the, someone put their foot in the door and say, yes, you're, you're right, there's fires in, say, Vermont or wherever they might be, 
then all of a sudden everyone's going to start saying, well, what about California? What about BC? Because the reality is, is these well-established laws of electricity are the same everywhere. We know what arcing is. We know when you do this, it's bad. We know the problems they cause. So it's not just isolated to, uh, as the utilities might say, well, it was that meter. It was that utility. No, it's all of them because they're all performing the same functions. Yes. Well, and these devices pulse wireless RF and microwave signals every 5 to 30 seconds, and that's significant. From a biological standpoint, it's been shown that red blood cells are damaged and thus cannot transfer oxygen efficiently when exposed to the radiation of electric smart meters. And that itself is a sci-fi, isn't it? Yeah, well, when, when you look at a cell, it's basically a fractal antenna. And it really has no choice but to receive the signals that are being sent to it. So think about, like, if you turn on your radio in your car and you put it uh, to 99.9 FM or whatever it is, that antenna is just going to receive that signal and put the volume out into the car, and that's what it's going to do. So when your cell receives that uh, 2.4 billion hertz spike or 938 million or 801 million, whatever it is, it doesn't have a choice. So once it receives that signal, it has to tell the body, it has to do things that it has to make it react. Your immune system and your body can only handle so many things. So another analogy I might use is, you know what, uh, you might smoke for a year, you might smoke for five, you might smoke for 30. Some people, maybe they'll smoke their whole lives and you know they won't get lung cancer or, or anything like that. But for the high majority of people, the inevitability is that some sort of health effect is coming down the pipe. Uh, we are very blessed uh, that our immune systems, for most of us, are, are so strong and can handle so many things. But the fact is, is everything does have a, a tipping point or a, a straw that broke the camel's back. And the issue that you know I see here is that, again, we briefly touched on it, is that most people will just attribute it to something else because they can't see it, so they want to attach it to you know their relationship with their with their spouse or their stress they're having or something that's going on at work. But when in reality uh, which I've shown in some of my older videos, is that when you look at all the, the old military documents and some of the corporate studies and you know going all the way back to the 30s up until now, and even a lot of data is coming out now because a lot of scientists are saying, hmm, I, I don't really believe you, and then they do these studies and they investigate and they see all these issues. The problem is, is with uh, industry and you know the, the governments and whatnot, they will basically say, well, if not 100% of all the people get a specific headache or have insomnia or an exact cancer, they say, well, it's not from that. When the reality is, is the Naval Medical Research Institute, for example, compounded 2,300 studies, and they listed, I believe it was over 120 different uh, things that uh, these, these types of signals can cause, uh, which are extraordinary. I mean, you know, I, I, it's, it's things that you don't even want to know about, altering menstruation, uh, altering fetal development, all top and bottom, causing issues with memory and stuff like that. So a lot of these things that we see being more and more prevalent with children inside schools. And keep in mind, some of these people have been using phones for 10, 15 years and keeping them in their pockets, which is right close to their kidneys and their genitalia and whatnot. And then they're having children come out. And we've seen studies from Yale and all these things where you're uh, affecting the vibration, not even as a, as a 30-year-old or a 50-year-old or whatever it may be. Now we're talking about that, that sperm and egg level where you're microwave radiating that. 
and then it's in the womb and you're microwave radiating an electromagnetic field with that, with a laptop or, or something of that nature, or the cell phone in the pocket. We hear, you know, women all the time, I went to my naturopath and they said there was something wrong with my thyroid or my adrenals. Well, where do people put their phones all day? Right. It's, not to say, it's not to say you don't get stressed out at work or there's no other issues. Let's, you know, let's not just say this is the sole cause because that's, that's not where we're going. We're, we're talking about your phone being in your back pocket right by your kidneys, right by your head, which is by your pineal gland, pituitary gland, amygdala, all those other things. Or people are texting and you know, a lot of people sit on the couch and text. It's in their groin or they're staring at their phone. It's right by their heart. Uh, so when you start compounding these things, nobody maybe going to notice for for maybe an hour a day or, you know, some kids are now using phones for four, five, six, seven hours a day. Now you start compounding that over years and then all of a sudden you take the other devices, let's say in a school setting where uh, there's 10, 15, 20 iPads, a, a high-powered industrial router, smart boards and all these other things and then all these kids have their phones in the room or, or maybe in the cloakroom or whatnot. Now you're talking about compounding and compounding and making these exponential types of exposures all different kinds of frequencies for you know 12 years in school now it's a big deal now it gets back to that a bit to that smoking analogy where maybe if you had a smoke here and there or you did it for a year or something now we start talking about if someone's 20 now in the next 15 years that's 15 years of either self-inflicted exposure or forced exposure for let's say you know living 200 meters away from a cell tower or whatnot Keep in mind that electricity is electricity, radiation is radiation. Whether whether there's a, a sinister cause or it's just about money or you know the full-on lack of knowing, it, it, which I don't think is possible. But you know, let's say there's that potential. It's happening. That's exactly what's going on. I, I mean, even some people right now, if uh, if they're sitting at their computer listening to this. Uh, how many houses do you walk in where there's a, a rotor with uh, that's putting out 2.4 billion hertz, then 5 billion hertz, then they have a cordless phone sitting right beside them and a cell phone, and they're just literally having multiple sets of exposures all day. So uh, to me, when I look at that, you know, whether there's there's some sort of agenda or not, is is each person has to look at themselves and say, is this what I want to be inside uh, this field? Do I need this? massive data plan. Um, can I maybe unplug my cordless phone at night if I'm not using it or shut off my router or you know, perhaps reduce the minutes uh, per day, week or month I, I have on my cell phone and, and not only thinking about it in this way where I used to work in banking and see a lot of people's uh, cell phone bills and they were just through the roof and that would always translate to me is that wow, the, you know, how much time did you spend with your kids? Uh, instead of on that phone or, or, or whatnot. So here we are, if we, if we say we're against these things, and, and I don't own one of those devices, but if we're, if we're saying we're against these things, then what we need to do is minimize the amount of energy that we give to these entities. Or if we're a parent, we might, we might want to say, you know what, uh, I recognize perhaps the role of technology in schools, but why does it always have to be wireless? Why do we have to expose our kids to these frequencies instead of having them inside the wires, which is, which is the way it can be and it should be? Uh, keep in mind, from an educational standpoint, they've done a lot of studies in schools and whatnot in various countries, and they found that this technology doesn't improve grades, doesn't improve reading capabilities or capacities, doesn't really improve anything. What it does do, though, is allows companies like Google and Cisco and IBM and whoever you want to name all up and down the spectrum to be able to access and gather data. I always like to say is that, you know, if you're a teacher out there and you're listening to this, you really need to understand the money that's uh, going behind slowly and virtually replacing you. 
And I know that a lot of people are out there right now saying, oh, well, technology won't take my job. And then next thing you know, it's like, well, less and less people are coming into the store and so on and so on. And people's hours are getting cut and whatnot. The problem with teachers, uh, this is not my problem, but the, the way the education system looks at it is that they can't track, store, memorize, and sell data. But an iPad can. Right. A smart board can. And when, when you look at data profiling, if you can grab a, a child from literally the time they get out of the womb, and I explained in my latest presentation that I did, is that they actually want to know the data before the child's even born. Uh, remember back in the day with you know McDonald's and, and the Marlboro companies and really just trying to get, get people like right away. That's what they're doing. The Barbie dolls now have Wi-Fi tracking, recording of voices and everything. So all this data is so important. So do you think inside a school they're going to want to have a teacher that can mark tests and, and be personable and happy and, and deal with the social issues and whatnot, or an iPad that can track yes and no answers and track everything about that, uh, that child or that student moving throughout their entire school year. Now keep in mind the other side of that too is that uh, you know we have a lot of big pension issues and the potentialities for, for funding those. Uh, so that becomes very attractive for school boards to say, well, you know what, we can go from 16 teachers in our school to 11. And the, the vehicle to do this is these iPads and all these other systems. Now, the beauty for them on that is the fact that all those pension funds own shares in all those companies. So when we start looking at this, we, we start getting into an area where we need to understand where this technology is going and what it can do. Because I know a lot of people just sit around and say it's great. And, of course, it does provide for us some conveniences and whatnot. But... If you don't understand the money behind it and what they're really truly thinking be in the background versus what they say about it you know, being green, which it's not, or going for world peace, which is what Mark Zuckerberg says, uh, all you have to do is share and all these things. And when you start looking at all these other components, the massive power usage that these data centers and everything require, the, the massive amounts of you know, rare earth metals and damages, uh, the e-waste and, and everything in between, you start understanding that the message that we're getting and what this is actually doing is far removed from, you know, again, that message that they're trying to tell us. Absolutely. Well, and the data mining is overwhelming. The Big Brother privacy issue is a huge issue. And you have to ask yourself, why does an electric company desire our minute-by-minute electricity usage data. That's an interesting question. And then on the heels of that, you have another overarching issue of hacking. Who's accessing this data? Yeah, well, I mean, there's nothing that can't be hacked. And, you know, utilities say we have this robust, we've used these white hats and black hats, and all these people with hats are in the background making sure our systems are, are okay. Well, no. Because we can clearly say, I mean, United States government drones are being hacked. Like, if anyone should be secure, those guys should be. If they can't even do that, if we can't make sure our, our very basic systems, our other types of power plants get hacked all the time, what most cybersecurity analysts say is, you know, what you try and do to stop a problem is don't create it. So that old meter, you know, you, you can't really hack that. You could uh, bypass the power, per se, but you couldn't hack into that data and this goes part and parcel with just about everything else, the health, the fires, the hacking, whatever. When we start looking at this data, it literally is either so valuable or so perceived to be valuable in the future that nothing else matters. If privacy was more valuable, they'd probably go down that road. If health was more valuable, they might go down that road. But 
the value is in that data. If I can know that um, you know you have X amount of kids and you've you've owned a pair of shoes for let's say four months and in that time we know that that specific model uh, only lasts X amount of time and Billy's growing at so many inches per year and so on and so on like this is how crazy it gets for these guys and then all of a sudden you have a smart appliance uh, that has a little screen on it that can advertise shoes that are at this store or you can do it for looking at health insurance purposes or how about car insurance purposes tracking how fast a car goes and doesn't go who's driving what age they are um, you know I could go on for four or five hours about that we don't need to but the applications for this are just massive and if I'm the one that's the first of the trough for the data, well, I get to sell it. So if I'm the utility and I can say, hey, there's a family of five here. This is their age bracket. You're looking for this. You want to uh, sell them an investment or uh, sell them uh, milk from the store that's on sale. You want to put a little ad on their fridge. I can let you do that. And that's where all this value uh, starts coming in. Or if, you know, you're, let's say, a government that wants to uh, uh, track people for whatever reasons, They'll actually pay for records of phone calls, the actual conversations. They'll pay companies like Verizon, Microsoft, Apple, whoever it might be, massive amounts of money. And keep in mind, we as taxpayers, we're paying for all this stuff. We're paying for ourselves to be spied on for virtually almost no reason. You know, we're not doing anything wrong but, but using power or, or making phone calls. Uh, of course, there's those elements in society that are, are you know, always going to be causing troubles, but you know, is, is it us that always has to suffer for that in order for those potentials to happen? I don't think that's right. Well, we're not only being bathed in a toxic stew of this stuff, but when you think of the geoengineering, the chemtrails, the GMO frankenfoods, chemicals like fluoride in the water, we're pretty much getting pummeled six ways to Sunday. So what are, Brian, some of the things the listeners can do to take back their power pun intended yeah well it's your for me uh typically people may look at uh you know democracy is as i always say it's not a a day every four years or a day every two years (laughs) whatever it may be your vote is with your wallet primarily your vote is how you walk around where your feet go to and what you do so uh, you know, if if we're against uh, X Y Z technology, we can't. We sh- we should try to at least reduce our use of it, or you know, not feed that very thing that we want to go away. Like if we had a cancer, well, and if it was a lung cancer and it was caused by smoking, should we keep smoking? Probably not. You know, and then we have to look at ourselves as making those choices. So if I'm a parent and I'm concerned about Wi-Fi in school. I need to step up and do something about that. I, I can't have this, well, what can we do? They're going to do it anyway. Well, yeah, they are going to do it anyway because they don't know that you care. Right. But if you care and Johnny cares and Dave cares and another lady cares and everyone starts getting together and saying, can we just hardwire these things, please? Uh, can we do something else besides this? Then maybe the school boards or, or, or the teachers will get together and say, yeah, we're supported here. So it's really about where you put your money and how you act on a daily basis. We as a society and a people need to look at ourselves uh, as being more responsible for what's going on. Uh, sure, you know, we, we would ideally in a perfect world have more politicians who would, would care about these things and understand them and look at them versus just trying to, uh, you know, perhaps collect a paycheck for a few years and go off with a nice pension or go into the private sector. But I think, you know, coming, we're, we're in 2016 now, uh, most of us are aware enough to know that the high majority, or at least enough of a majority of them, don't really care. 
And so now it's starting to come back to us, how we spend, how, how we decide to do things, who we talk to, how we act when, you know, there's a meeting in town or there's perhaps a protest or there's something going on. Do we decide, decide to watch the, the football game or the, or the TV show or do we actually go out and participate and let people recognize that we're a part of a community and we want a solution, we want to change. I think at times we sort of take that way out where, hey, I voted for, like I always say, the red guy or the blue guy. Well, you, you voted for the blue guy four years ago and that's why you voted for the red guy and nothing changed then. So it really starts coming back to us and our choices and, and how we operate our lives on a daily basis. Absolutely. And I think the important thing you just said there was quit feeding the machine. If you don't like these things, then stop buying them. If you don't like GMO, quit buying it. But it is a huge, massive beast we're up against, especially when you consider the monolithic systems we're up against, like the power companies. Yeah, well, uh, you know, what we're going to be trying to do moving forward is is looking into situations to, to hold them more accountable and, and liable. But Really, in the end, you know, again, it sort of just goes back to, to what I said. I mean, I, I know you have a lot of listeners. Imagine they all got off this show and they all wrote a letter to their power company and were persistent and showed up to meetings and did things and went to council meetings and, and you know, sort of, I guess, harassed the utilities. The problem is, is they'll, they'll look at it and they'll say, oh, well, only X percent of these people care, you know, and the, they, they know that. We might, uh, a lot of people might gripe about it for a little bit and then they just go on back to their old ways of, like I said, watching the TV or falling right back into those patterns. And they know this. They'll start off with a really huge problem. People will make a fuss about it. They'll back it off a little bit. And then over the course of the year, they're right back to that really huge problem. But everyone's falling asleep and back to their Twitter feed or whatnot. So it's action. This is all action. If you're looking at yourself and saying, what can I do? Do anything besides nothing. Yes. Uh, you know, it can be writing to the paper. It, it, it doesn't matter. If your energy is not going to anything, if you're not doing an action, you can't expect a reaction. But if you, when you add up all the ones, they start to become tens. And when you add up the tens, they can become hundreds. And when you add up the hundreds or thousands, it's all these little things that it takes. You know, if a, a community group uh, has 40 people in it instead of seven, well, that's a huge difference. You know, we, we need to look at ourselves and just say, you know what, I have the power here. I'm the one who can orchestrate change and it's sort of rely less on giving these people the ability or start questioning, start asking, let them know you're alive and you exist and you care about yourself. Yes, and there is power in numbers, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, that's where it's at. And, you know, continuing to fight and setting, instead of giving up, I mean, our planet would be a totally different place if all those people... You know, whether we want to look at a, a war or a civil rights situations or whatever, just said, yeah, whatever, someone else will do it. Let's just see how this unfolds without me having to do a whole lot that will disrupt my, my daily life. Um, you know, how, why do we have to have, uh, you know, the, these, these large cable bills and these large data plans and all these other things or we're spending on our money on things that will damage our bodies, whether it's a, a phone or, or substances or whatnot. We really need to to take our self-responsibility and look inside to say, is it better for me to spend $4,000 a year on this? Or how about I even just said, you know what, I'm going to get rid of that or reduce that. And now I have money for anything else that's going to be more positive. We need to start doing these small things. You know, when these notices came around with the meters, or even now, if we continue to persist and fight and understand uh, these issues and educate people about them, uh, some people, it's as simple as just passing on an email. 
Uh, other people, they hand out flyers. Other people, they get involved and they become those leaders that they may never thought they, they were going to be in life. And that's what makes changes. That's what makes differences. Uh, at times, we want to say, well, this specific action, and if you, if you do this exact thing, it's going to work. And I don't know if we know that. I think we need to just start doing something. I agree. Do something. Find people in your communities that are concerned about these issues. Start coalitions. Start a group in your area. But do something. Take action. That's so important. Brian, in the waning moments, give out your information for the listeners and how they can contact you. Yeah, it's BC Freedom. Um, I uh, Particularly in the past, it was more of a portal to stop BC Hydro from doing installations. We provided documents. I think now moving forward, I'm going to get more information out there about the you know the data and the smart grid. Uh, as I said, I did a recent presentation, one in Vernon, BC and, and Kamloops, BC, where I, I move more into the, the sort of the show-don't-tell aspect with, with the slides in there where I cover the finance, where the money's going, whether we're talking about... Uh, you know, carbon taxes, or we're talking about the big data and the power they use, uh, or the things they tell us. So all that stuff's going to be there. I think a, another great uh, resource is the Take Back Your Power website. Uh, Josh is doing some phenomenal work there, and I know he's just wrapping out some stuff that should be available for everybody in uh, all jurisdictions, whether it's Canada, the USA, some documentations regarding some legal things that been lawful things that people can do. So my site is BC Freedom. And it, it, I, I think it's a great site, uh, mostly because it's my site, so I have to say that. But also, <laughs> uh, again, as something that can provide that information for you so you can start learning. There's tons of great videos and resources online, uh, you know, doing your research, uh, talking to your government officials. But uh, that's my site, so bcfreedom.com. My email address is nobcsmartmeters at gmail.com. So if anyone's listening and, and perhaps looking for more direction or resources, nobcsmartmeters at gmail.com. Well, there's the email and the website, folks, bcfreedom.com. It's linked on today's bio. Brian, I want to thank you for all your work. Kudos for your dedication in this fight. It's incumbent upon us all to take action, not just shrugging it off. So I really want to encourage people to get in touch with you. Do check out takebackyourpower.net. It's also linked there on the bio today, as Brian mentioned. Excellent information. Definitely go there for sure and get informed. This is a huge issue that affects us all and we all need to be doing something. Brian, thank you again for coming on and I hope you come back and join us again. I hope so too. Thank you so much and uh, thank your listeners for listening. Thanks, Brian. Folks, that was Brian Tyson from bcfreedom.com. The information again is linked on today's bio, April 13th. Do check out his information as well as again, takebackyourpower.net is an excellent site. So do bookmark that. Thank you to everyone that was patient the last few days while I was sorting out some very strange malfunctions in my sound equipment. Oh, there's always something the good times. Hey, folks, if you have not signed up for my YouTube channel, do so go to weekendvigilani.com. Go up to the far right corner on the pink tab. Do sign up for that because some of the shows come out before they even hit the podcast. And also, if you have not signed up for my free e-newsletter, do so. I'll be sending a bulletin out next week. And do like my Weekend Vigilante Facebook page and Twitter. Thank you all for tuning in to the broadcast tonight, folks. We'll see you tomorrow. Good night and God bless.